Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast. Well, I'm delighted to be here with my good friend and mentor, John Healy, co-founder of Mediate.com, to talk about uh, the, the Mediate newsletter on the eventful occurrence of its thousandth, thousandth issue. So, John, thank you for being here with me. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a beautiful day up here Couldn't in Humboldt. Couldn't be nicer. Couldn't be nicer. The sun is just starting to peek out from behind the clouds, too. So fog. From behind the fog, exactly. So, John, talk to me. Uh, you were the editor of the newsletter from its earliest days, and what, what, was it, what was it like at the beginning? I know you were coming out of ConflictNet and starting Mediate. Right. So, Con yeah. ConflictNet was really um, the information base was more to the people within the field. Mm -hmm. right. So it was sharing information about how we were developing programs and how, you know, certain documents mean, you know, it was it was a information sharing of mediators as a, a social media for mediators, basically. Right, right. We created network, we created community, um, and it was a very collaborative process. And ConflictNet was just completely overwhelmed by the World Wide Web. Once we started being able to have graphic user interfaces and we had a place where everybody could go and visit and, and get information, the sh focus was and in my mind was that we had an incredible capacity to disseminate information about the benefits of mediation. Mm -hmm. So it was less of the insular focus and much more of the outward focused right. idea. Um, now that didn't fully pan out because even today you look at a lot of the articles on Mediate.com and a lot of the articles are more for insider, you know, they're talking about sure. ethics, they're talking about techniques, they're talking about, you know, strategies and and the essence of it. Um, and there's occasionally good stuff that comes through that is public education focused. Right, right. Um, but the parties to a dispute are not going to be signing up for the Mediate.com newsletter. That's right? correct. It's that's mainly correct. the field. Talking right. to itself and sharing information right. and being right. a clearinghouse. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, we started soliciting articles from folks. Right. Once they started realizing, well, you know, I can publish, and it was a big, a big controversy in the early days. Several big controversies in the early days. You know, in in particularly in the academic circles. Um, but also in the legal circles, you know, you had you had a certain requirement for advancement to publish. Right. Um, but the question loomed huge, you know, publish where? You know, publish in uh, this quarterly or publish in this law review or publish, you know, here, publish there. But what about publishing on the Internet? Right. And well, I think about Negotiation Journal and the Journal on Dispute Resolution and Conflict Resolution Quarterly. Those are more peer-reviewed. You know, they took it took time. Right. I mean, you'd submit right. and it would take months. And, you know, people worked really hard on those. But the newsletter and Mediate.com in the early days, it was quick. 
Yeah. I mean, you publish it and it was out there. Everybody would have it the e next day. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't quite that easy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> obviously. I mean, some of the real early struggles was getting people to send us the articles in a format that we could use. Oh, really? I mean, like a technical format. They were Word documents, please. Could you send us Word documents? <laughs> you know, because we had our ways of, of maneuvering that to be able to put it into the web face, you know, sure. as quickly and efficiently as we could. Do you remember some of your early authors? You know, what were, uh, who were some of the people that wrote a lot for Mediate in the early days? Um, we were just earlier talking and reminiscing about um, people, and Paul Warhartig was one of guys. Oh, Paul he wrote, he guy. wrote a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Um, there's another fellow that was quite controversial that wrote a lot. Um, but it, it was... Well, that was maybe Benjamin. Yeah. Ben, Robert Bob Benjamin, Benjamin um, but there was a he he's passed now. He was um, a academic lawyer. Um, he was very controversial, mm. and he wrote articles all the time. I remember um, Paul. One of the things he liked to write about was the media as mediator. You mm -hmm. know, like how how reporters and the press can play a role in reframing disputes. So that the public could understand them yeah. in in a sort of a resolvable frame, right? As opposed right. to just you know this side says this, this says this side says that. And Paul was great about that. I think he even did an annual award called the Media as Mediator Award, where he would find stories that they did a really good job on. Yes, that. yes, he yeah. did. And there was there was other activities. Um, Hewlett funded a couple of programs that were primarily focused on putting out good news, sure. so to speak, yeah. in, the, in the mediation world, examples where it was successful. Um, and, you know, I'd write articles, Jim would write articles, right. you know. The whole field would contribute. Now, I know um, you were the editor for a long time, but you also worked with John Ford, right? When did right, John get right. involved? Uh, he was He was probably mid well, he's probably, if you look at a thousand newsletter, he was probably in the 200 range. Okay, so still relatively on early on. Yeah. Pretty relatively early on. And we were developing technology while that was going on also because we were experiencing a pretty hearty flow of, of articles. Right. Once these kind of issues came through. And, and one of the other issues that was resolved eventually um, was we were not peer-reviewed. We didn't set up that process. Sure. And so often I was the only review. Yeah, well, you were the editor, so you were deciding and, what would go in. And, and what, so yeah. I'd get these emails with files or sometimes just the articles pasted in the email, right. um, which was not bad. Uh -huh. <laughs> I could copy and paste out of that. Um, and then my job at that time was to read it over, a lot of reading, um, and then um, format it and put it up on the web, right. on the site. And that was tedious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Carol was brilliant. And, w and we were very interested in cataloging everything properly mm -hmm. and really making sense of how, it, how we could search on it mm -hmm. and how it would sh show up in other search engines. I mean, we were a lot about the numbers. Mm -hmm. We wanted traffic to the site and the better articles that we could get and the sooner we could get them out, um, we could do that. Now, 
most of the other organizations, they look at the availability of material and then they would look at their budget and they decide whether they could have a monthly newsletter or a quarterly newsletter sure. because they were stuck with postage and paper. Right. Well, I remember I edited the NIDER News when I was at the National Institute for Dispute Resolution. And then later, I was the business manager for Consensus, the mm -hmm. newspaper that was published by the Consensus Building Institute. And it was such a headache to get the mailing lists, and you'd get bounces, and you'd have to print it, and the printing would come out wrong. And, you know, even, and this was a newsletter, so it was intended to be monthly, you know, but it, it never had the flexibility of the online right. medium. Right. And yeah. if, if there was something that was timely, it took quite a while to get that all together and get it out to the people that needed to have the information. Absolutely. And so we just, we, you know, I mean, it, we kind of revolutionized the information flow within the field. Right. Um, well, it took some time for people to wrap their brains around it. but eventually. Oh, yeah. Another thing is, obviously, the newsletter has been really helpful in sharing events, you know, mm -hmm. like, hey, this conference is coming up, or, you know, this meeting just ended, or these discussions are happening, you know, I think it really helped to get the the field yeah. kind of on the same yeah. page, yeah. you know, and yeah. how did you keep your finger on the pulse of everything that was going on? In well, that, that was certainly a challenge, but what I was also thinking about was, you know, we're, we were in a situation where we had to monetize something. Right. It was like trying to sell websites, and, and that was, there was only so much money you could make playing that game. Right, that's true. And so we had to figure out what else, and so we started to realize that we could advertise upcoming events in the newsletter. Right, right. And we could charge the organizations that were having an upcoming conference sure. a certain amount of money in order to put their ad into our newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, we were able to... At the time, we could watch, I mean, we watched our hit rate daily. Momentarily, we watched our hit rate to see how much traffic was coming to the site. And we could see that as soon as we published the newsletter, within the next 24 hours, the hit rate went up like crazy because they were, they were the newsletter was open links to the article on, uh, and we just had a little blurb you know, that went out with the newsletter. And so it kind of goes back to Carol again. We we had this formatting thing where you could put this there and that there and that there and that there and push enter, and it would go boom, and it would be on the site, wow. and it would be cataloged, and it would be set up. And, and so every time I'd go through and say, this is a repetitive, no-brainer task that I'm doing. I need to have that automated. And Carol was just genius. She would get that automated and say, is this what you want? And by the way, while I was doing that, I came up with this, this, and this. You want those too? And I was like, of course I want that too. <laughs> <laughs> Silly girl. Oh, Carol's a wizard. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But did you ever think about like putting it behind a paywall or a gateway? I mean, because you just released all of this. We did, but it was traffic. You know, right. we were we were more interested in getting people to come to the website and increasing our traffic so that we could say, you know, put an ad on our newsletter, we've got, you know, a million visitors, you know, and it, it'll pay off. You're very visible right there. And so it was, you know, behind a paywall, 
it's it's a way of making money, but it but it kind of stifles everything else you're doing. Sure. And and slows you down. And we just you know, it was so exciting to have that kind of a flow. So John Ford came in and at that point, you know, I'm saying, Okay, I, I need an assistant editor and Carol, I want this to be something that is a no brainer for him. All he has to do is this, 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 and this, and hit that button, and it's gone. And not only is it on the website, but we generated the newsletter from that technology. So the newsletter was sitting there in a bin waiting, to, waiting for its date. When a date came along, that newsletter went out almost automatically. Wow. We'd look and see if it was fine, and then we'd you know, add an ad in here for the next ACR conference or spider conference back in the day, um, and it would go out. And they, you know, they had websites eventually, and they'd see their hit rates go up. Of course, most of their websites were on our platform, so we watched their hits go up. Right. And we'd call them up and say, hey, you see that? <laughs> see what just happened here? You know, so, I mean, it was... Uh, it was a crazy time, but we had a lot of good, solid information, mm -hmm. and we still do. I mean, it's all cataloged. It's all there. Well, this is the interesting thing now. I know you're very interested in AI and ChatGPT and all of that. Um, the key thing is you've got to get data. You right. have to get tagged, coded data. Yeah. And we're experimenting now at ODR.com. We're looking at all of this. We have 30 years of articles, and they're all tagged. You know, you went in and you put in, this is what this article's about, this is what this article's about, and it makes it a lot easier to train because there's so much accumulated wow. wisdom in that data. So we may eventually make a, a chat GPT and train it on all of that content from Mediate, and then it'll have the accumulated wisdom of all of the articles that have been published on the website. Wow. It's amazing to think about. Yeah, it's totally amazing to think about because, you know, I worry about what these large language models are actually feeding on right um, a, a training is a is a nebulous term to say the least mm -hmm. you know it's just you hand over a whole database and it sorts and shifts it but you know you don't you don't tell it what to do it just does it it knows what to do more than anything right right and uh, and if it's got a good solid base of information mm -hmm. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, kind of changing the subject a little bit, and I've been thinking about doing it, going out to a, a bot and say, you know, tell me about mediation mm -hmm. and just see what it would give us. Well, there are now a lot of news sites that have algorithm-generated stories, mm -hmm. and they turn out, and it's very difficult to tell whether or not a person oh, wrote know, it yeah. or a bot wrote it. And it's interesting to mediate, it's 100% humans, right? As yeah. far as I know, we've never had an algorithmic story. But to think about the next thousand issues, you know, a lot of people think that that algorithmic AI-generated content is lower quality. But the question is, for how long will that be true? Right. Because right. there may we're come looking, a time... We're looking at a five-year-old writing right now. And, and but it's getting it, smarter it, every day. Every day. You know, one question I wanted to ask you is, do you remember any controversies? that ever arose out of an uh, article that ran on the newsletter? Or did you ever intentionally say, okay, look, here's a, here's a debate within the field. We're going to run one perspective, this newsletter, and then another perspective. 
Because we have had some of that during the time I've been back at Mediate. You know, there, there are issues that emerge on the listservs and things like well, that. And my instinct is to go in, right? I mean, right. we're conflict professionals. We run in when other people run away. Right. But I just wonder if you remember anything like that. Well, there were, yeah, I mean, certainly there were authors who were unhappy with my saying, no, we're not going with that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and, I mean, it was, it was kind of disturbing the amount of power I had as editor of that thing. Um, I'd confer with Jim on some of them, but, you know, or John Ford with on some of them, but ultimately I made the you decisions. You made the call, right. I made the call, and so there were authors who were not happy with me that I just said, no, we're not going with that. You know, you could rewrite it and do some different things, but I wasn't playing that kind of an editor yeah. for the field either. Um, but there was there was one article um, that brings me to another topic also but there was one article by a canadian mediator who was talking about um, high conflict personality types mm -hmm. and it was kind of code word for asperger's oh, spectrum interesting and they were they were talking around it but what was really interesting and, and shocking to me was that the Asperger community were then and are still now very active online. Oh, yeah. They're extremely active online, and they picked up somehow or another on this article. Right. And then they started, you know, disseminating it through the Aspie community, as they sure. called it. And we used to have comments Right at the end of the articles, which I really enjoyed, in which you know I Let's had. Talk about, I want to come back to the comments, but it's interesting what you say because I think there are some articles that I read now, you know, ten, twenty years later, and you know it didn't really age well, and it's not necessarily. It could just be society has changed. Like we had a whole conference on mental health and mediation, and going and looking back at some of the things that mm -hmm. were written, you know, advice for mediators around how to deal with mental health. Right. It was right. it was very stereotyping cliche. Oh, so yeah. I can see why the yeah. Asperger's community would pick up on that. You know, like high conflict personalities, sometimes it, it could be addressed in a less than sensitive way. Oh, and I think we have more more awareness about the it, nuance. It was addressed in a less sensitive way. Yeah. And and there was always you know there was an underlying current that that said, you know, if they're too crazy, they shouldn't be in mediation. Mm. If they're too this or they're too that, they you know mediation is not appropriate. I recall that those exact words in some of the mediation trainings I got back in the nineties. Yes, yeah. yes, and it was it was very like is that right or not? Yeah. You know, is this the way to go or no? But it's interesting. I think that a lot of people on the modern internet bemoan the lack of that editorial or curator curatorial role. Mm -hmm. In someone coming in and reading something and saying, you know, I'm going to push this back to you. You need to think about this a little more. Or I'm not going to run this because, right. you know, now it's just, you know, people aren't paying for that. So anybody can go and you hit a button. I mean, when, when the media newsletter first started, that was sort of pre-blogs. It was before Facebook. It was before LinkedIn. Yep. Now these social media channels, there's no editorial. Anybody can put up whatever they right. want. Right. And I think it's it's interesting you were sort of a transition point from the, the paper publications, which right. were heavily edited, and they probably left five articles on the table for every one they ran. Right. 
to the modern internet where every thought is shared right. in real time. Right. But right. you played that role. You were you 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 did have a power. That's what you said. You had a power in deciding what made it into the newsletter, and right. that newsletter hit, you know, tens of thousands of inboxes. Well, and and I was in a unique situation because I wasn't an academic, and I'm not a lawyer. Right. Who chose you? Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? And I had some of them really come right out and say that, you know. And it was like, like I have a PhD. I'm a professor of this. I know. Who are you? You're yeah. some guy in Berkeley. You know. And I'd try and say, well, you know this article's got some problems with it. Well, who are you to say that? You yeah, know? right. And those controversies, like, you know, who can who can be, who can benefit from mediation and try to put parameters around that, um, I would get confronted with scholars who wouldn't agree with me. Yeah, sure. You know, and it was like, I didn't have a leg to stand on. And the same thing with legal issues along the way. You know, I wasn't a lawyer. And the lawyers you know, said this is the way it ought to be. And so, well, that's still an issue. Yeah. yeah, and so I was I was in a weird place because I was not, you know, an esteemed, knowledgeable person in the field that could make editorial decisions. Well, I, I'll argue with you a little bit there because I think you clearly were from the field. You were passionate about the field. You played a key role in the field, mm -hmm. and your heart was in the right place. Everybody knew that you had the the strength not, of the field not, at heart. Not everybody. Well, but it's interesting. But I, I do think it is interesting. You didn't have any academic credentials, and back then it was, you didn't have, like, a professorship in some right. ways to say, that's why I run this. But um, I think a lot of people liked you in that chair. That's one of the reasons why, you know, everybody still loves John Healy in the field because, you know, you were just committed to helping the field succeed yeah, and helping yeah, things move yeah, forward. But true. it's an interesting thing. Who should be making that decision? And I, I do feel like the modern Internet has decided nobody should be making that decision. Everybody puts everything out there, and then, you know, the marketplace figures out what's going to get the most well, attention. Well, and, and that was kind of my philosophy, but I wasn't ready to go full bore. Right. Um, and the comment sections after the articles. That right, was, let's talk about that a little bit. That was more of a, an open dialogue and completely unedited. Now, I mean, well, not completely unedited. I'd go through... And if I saw things going awry, I'd delete the article. Oh. I'd delete the comment. Okay. So yeah. I had the capacity. So you were moderating that. You I, were. I indeed was moderating that. And sometimes it was like, no, you can't say that in my site. You know. Well, this is a conversation I've had with Claire and Jim more recently because Claire has said, well, you know, I wish we could have a comment section and yeah. then we could engage. But the comment sections that I've run more recently, rarely do they do you have valuable interaction. I mean, there's just so much spam and stuff that comes in there. It's so it's more work to maintain it and to try and keep the dreck out of it than the value that it gets. So that's I think that's one of the reasons why Mediate pulled. Yeah, its, its I, and, I, and I certainly understand that. But, and, and it, it will always be a problem. But what I was seeing was that this was a... It, it wasn't the general public right. in there. It was a group of colleagues that were committed to developing the conflict resolution field and, right, right. and bringing mediation into its own. And it was, I mean, we'd have seminars and conferences at conferences, and there would be good dialogue. 
Right. Lots of it going on. And it was because there weren't general public in that conference. And and you look at what was going on in Mediate at that time, in, in Mediate.com at that time, it was pretty people inside the field. Right, right. And most of the topics were, you know, most of the comments were coming from fellow mediators and conflict resolvers. Well, and when you write an article, it's you want to hear from people what they think. Exactly. I, I'm, a, I'm an editor of Indisputably, which John Landy does with Andrea Schneider. It's mainly for academics teaching dispute resolution. But they do have comments open, and it's a very rich part. So mm -hmm. people post something, you know, about a recent development in the field, and then there's this really respectful, yeah. high-quality yeah. dialogue. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting thing. I, I, I sort of I long for those days, you know. Well, and I've I tried, and I, I I'm just don't have the enthusiasm to go after it. But I tried to get, you know, a forum on Facebook, a group on Facebook, right? That brought there's like 300 mediator types. You had great conversations in that. In long that into it, but it's not it's not vital. Right. It's not active, you know. People don't go there unless I poke it. Right. And sometimes I just don't feel like poking it anymore. Um, well, you also, um, you talked a lot, and I think we we've spoken about this too about community online. Yeah. yeah. And I know, you know, you were in Berkeley during the days of the well, and you know, things like that. There was an idealism about we can create these communities online, and then they can be self-sustaining, and everybody's. Going back and forth in the relationships or what, people, right. what draw active. people in. You know, and in I a was, sense, the internet is way bigger than it ever was, but those communities are harder to find. Yes, yes. I mean, we were, ConflictNet was part of PeaceNet and EcoNet and Women's Net and IGC, Labor's yeah. Net. Um, and they were all community building of activists within the field. Mm -hmm. They weren't talking to the general public, they weren't trying to sell something. They were trying to facilitate, you know, activists mm -hmm. to be able to make effective change um, in there. And so that was the kind of the background that I came out of. Mm. And it was just really rapidly emerging. And, you know, again, I was kind of blindsided because when I put out ConflictNet, there was a whole thing, the well and all these alt dot something dot seven, yeah, news, groups, news groups yeah. news groups all over the place and there was a very active community out there that no one really knew about and they thought that I was coming out to their network platforms to help resolve conflicts online oh interesting and it was like what are you talking about conflict online? And then I was introduced to the whole concept of flame wars. Yeah. And, the, I mean, it was rude and bizarre out there for a long time. And it was like I tried to play around a little bit with keeping the conversation going in a conflict situation and responded to a couple of nonprofit organizations that were having problems. And I kind of... But I realized, boy, that's a dangerous thing. You know, I don't know what I'm doing out here, and I'm not going to take on more of that stuff. Yeah. As it, it, well, that was really the; those were the seeds of the online dispute resolution field. It was, know, which is what it was. You know, that we're putting a lot of not more time and energy into. Right. I know you were, you were involved with uh, RuleNet, and that nuclear regulatory commission. Yes. Dialogue yes. online. Well, dialogue. And, I, and I thought that that with 
with my with the ability to structure dialogue space, mm -hmm. I was able to say, okay, we can have this place where these people can talk mm -hmm. and these people can listen. Right. But they can't talk. And then there's another place where these people can talk and they and everybody can listen. Sure. But you know, and so it was kind of like who's got the podium? Right. Yeah. And set who's it up that way. Yeah. And sure. that was that was kind of a fascinating idea to me, thinking that well we could have real online dialogue. But I watched dialogues which was and and it seemed like it would just keep going on and on and on. Right. It would never come to any resolution. We couldn't get things resolved. They would just babble on forever. And right. I, it's not a right term. Well, but, but the newsletter was, a, a, in a sense, a facilitated dialogue as well. But it wasn't. It didn't go on and on and on. Right. You know, it was sort of right. like every week there'd be another edition. Right. And it was sort of, you know, I'm sure you could track through the newsletter over issues how. Certain things emerged. Right. People say we need to work right. on this. Okay, here are reports. Right. And then here's the final conclusion. And then yeah. you see the impact of that into the yeah. field. It'd be interesting yeah. to go yeah. back and map that out. It, it would be. Uh, it would be very interesting to map that out because there was, you know, there was controversies in the field that came up. Right. You know, and then they kind of got resolved, and then something else would come up. So, yeah. Um, it was. It was very exciting times. Well, I. But, I, but the other. Let me. Let me sure. show. Please. The other piece was the community. You know, we built community, not necessarily online, but because people were meeting at a conference and they'd come around the booth and they'd go, oh, you're online. You know, you let me get your email address. Right. And there was, the, the conferences were real solid community building. We have friends who we nurtured and grew during the conference circuit. Sure. You know, and I was going to every conference I could get money enough to go to. Right. You were at all of them. And, and I'm, you know, I'm online with ConflictNet was that little sticker that I'd put on your badge at the conference and that connected people. And they started talking and then after they talked, they shared emails back and forth. They all of a sudden, I mean, it's so bizarre to think. I mean, they didn't know who to send an email to. Right. And they didn't get any emails from anybody. And now it's like, please, don't do that to me. <laughs> I know, you I know. know. You know. Yeah, now people are a little <coughs> bit skeptical about giving out their emails. It's like, uh-oh, what am but I signing we went, up for? We went down to the lounge. We went to the restaurant. We went to the lobby. Right. We hung out together, and we got to know each other and become friends. Right. And, and that was a real important piece that I don't know if that's happening anymore. I think it is. The young people, new people coming up and, and creating those bonds like we had? I actually think, um, when, when I think back to the early days of ConflictNet and Mediate, you know, a lot of people were, I remember when I was uh, working at NIDR, I took all the outside information requests. And I would say every day I got five or six letters or phone calls from people saying, how do I get involved? How do I find out who's doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I had a directory of all the community mediation programs in the country. And I would say, call these people. You know, you're in Fargo, North Dakota, call the Fargo Community Mediation Center. But no one had it. There was no way to get that information. Mm -hmm. And then I think the, the newsletter in Mediate started to open the curtain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And now I think it's very easy to find that. You know, if you get on oh, the yeah. internet and you type in Mediation Fargo, 
you'll see everybody. You'll see all the mediators. You'll see the centers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think in a sense that's gotten better. If you're looking for some for a way to get into the field, that the doors are way more open now because so much of what everyone does is mm-hmm. tracked online, yeah. and you can just find it at Google. But I think Mediate played just a hugely important role in opening those doors. Yeah. When I was starting in the field in the late '80s, you know, I remember I had to send letters out. To put, ooh, I hear I hear goats. Um, when I had to send letters out and be like, "Hi, I'm a student. What do you do?" You know, yeah. and then they would send me their brochure. And now I just think about, you know, if you're an undergrad and you want to get involved with conflict resolution, I mean, it's the wealth of information out there is sure. incredible. Sure. And you have 30 years of mediate, you know, right. so you can find all the people, even in a very specific specialty, you can go and find, oh, this is the person that knows about pet disputes, you know, and you're, and you're talking to them, or goat disputes, or goat dispute. as the case may be. <laughs> I think this goat wants to join our... Go away, goat. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so, so again, this is the thousandth issue, yeah. and this is a moment, I mean, you know, this is climbing a mountain. Well, back to you, you know, is is there a steady flow of new articles coming in? There is. There is. Every week we have, and we, we have friends that we cultivate connections with around the world, you know, and they mm. think of us when they publish something. But Claire does a great job. She's, she does an amazing job, you know, looking at the articles that are coming in and working with the authors and refining them, getting them on the site. Jim puts together the newsletter every week. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the heartbeat of the yeah, website yeah. is the newsletter. I mean, I, I personally think blogs are a better model than newsletters. You know, like it doesn't have to come out on a certain date. It doesn't have to. But there is a there's a rhythm to it that I think is great. And as you say, I feel like Mediate is being built organically over time. And the newsletter every week, it says, this is what's happened on Mediate this week. Yeah, That's well, it's every two about. weeks, isn't it? No, it's every week, every is Tuesday. Is it every week? Every Tuesday morning, yep. Okay, yep. okay. I mean, we struggled with that, too. I mean, it was like, how much information overload are we going to create? Right. Well, actually, you know? it comes out Wednesday morning, but it gets done on Tuesday. But yes, you don't want to overload people with too much information. Right. But I also think newsletter, it's, you don't want to put in a million things, because nobody's going to scroll down 15 right. pages. Right. You want it to be like... Headline, headline, headline. These are the events. These are the jobs. You know, let us know. Right. And then move on to the next right, week. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to hear that there's still incoming articles. Absolutely. You know, that there's Absolutely. Because every once in a while, go back and dredge up an old article and put it on, on the newsletter. Oh, yeah, sure. We used well, to the archive that. is amazing. Yeah, the yeah. archive. It's, it's deep, but... So, yeah, I mean, I, we are committed. We're committed to the newsletter. Let's get to 2,000 now. Yes. But it's nice as you climb the mountain, you hit this milestone, and then you look over your shoulder, and you're like, oh, my gosh, look how far I've climbed. This <laughs> is amazing. That. Yeah. There's still more climb. mountain to climb. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's really, a, it's a joy to get to talk with you about all this and, yes, and reminisce yes. about it. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Get into the way back machine. And thank you for... Uh, rolling the snowball off the top of the mountain so many years ago, and now it's a, a giant avalanche. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been accused of being visionary, but really it wasn't that far I was seeing out in front, and I would have never predicted this day, you know, never. That, uh, well, just imagine where it's all going to go from here, so. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's an important piece, and I think that the the base of literature that Mediate created 
is got to be an instrumental piece in the development of our artificial intelligence. It is. I mean, it's a core information base. And I think it's it's a good and valid information base. It's not frivolous. Well, the other thing that I think about Mediate, they say uh, news is the first draft of history. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that was in the newsletter, as you were putting it in there, it's like, this is what's happening today. Yeah. But if you do that long enough, now that's history. I mean, yeah. we have an archive of everything that's happened in the field. And so much of the value of mediators, people we don't have anymore. You yeah. know, you think about yeah. Frank Sander and Roger Fisher and Margaret Shaw and, you know, all these, all these great people who contributed things over the years. And the future generations won't know them other than those contributions yeah. that were, yeah. that were uh, put into the record. So. Yep, yep. It's easy to get lost in time. That's true. You know, I've been very fortunate that I haven't been lost in time, that I still get acknowledged for the work that I've done and as a, as a, a player in the role. Absolutely, know. absolutely. Well, that's a good thing about being the co-founder of something, is you will always be the co-founder of something. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far it goes, you know, you can't lose that. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, thank you for taking the time to chat. This You're was really fun welcome. to thank reminisce. You. All right. All right. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.